Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Sandy Pars Podcast, your source for in-depth discussions about the world of golf for the amateur golfer. We're your hosts, Rennie Duran and Ryan Munoz. On this episode, we discuss the recent focus on the mental game and how those who are taking mental health more seriously seem to be playing well. We dive into one of our favorite books, Zen Golf by Dr. Joseph Parent, share our favorite golf memories, and more. Stay tuned after the break. Welcome back to the Sandy Pars Podcast. We're excited to be here talking all things golf. I'm your host, Randy Duran, joined by my co-host, Ryan Munoz. Hey, hey. Let's get into it, man. Um, a lot's been going on this week in the world of golf uh, in terms of PGA and all that, and I think this is a good time for us to kind of take a step back, um, let the pros do their thing. Um, you know, we will be talking a little bit about the pro game this week, um, but not necessarily what's going on. No John Deere Classic. No John Deere Classic. Uh, you know, the Scottish Open looked pretty cool. That was a great field, great, great course out there. Um, looked really fun. But the uh, few things I want to talk about this week, and one that we've been teasing for over a month now, uh, is the book that we've read recently. And we've recently read a book, uh, Zen Golf, by Dr. Joseph Parent. Um, and this is a very popular book amongst uh, golfers, professional golfers, and the like. Um, and what made me really think that this would be a good topic to discuss this week was the fact that in the past few weeks, we've seen athletes from all different sports really open up and talk about the mental game of, um, you know, about the mental game in terms of whatever their respective sport is. Yep. If we're just talking, um, if we're just talking golf here, we've seen Bubba Watson, uh, Nelly Corda, Phil Mickelson, um, Ricky Fowler, they've all brought this up in recent weeks. And even, I think Rory's talked about Rory, it. Rory, Matt Wolf, Yeah, Matt tons Wolf, Tons of people. Great, yeah. And so they've been talking about it. And most of those folks who have been talking about playing better or have been talking about the mental game and their focus on it recently, they've all been playing really well. Um, with the exception of maybe Rory in that group. Um, you and know, Ricky. <laughs> well, Ricky's gotten better. Ricky's well, gotten Rory's better. at least won a tournament That's this true. season. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I thought it was, you know, it was really captivating to me, especially when we, we went to the women's U S open here in San Francisco and we saw Nellie Corda out there really kind of struggling with, uh, with her game and, you know, wasn't necessarily the happiest person out on course. Well, I think probably for me, um, the, the going to the women's U S open, that's when I started doing, reading the book, listening to the book, mm -hmm. full honesty. Um, but you seeing seeing the the ladies and their routines and how you know rigid they are in their routine with mm -hmm. every shot uh right. kind of just solidified you know that's a huge aspect really of i think any golf mental golf game book is going to be like what's your routine do you have a routine etc right but uh that's it's you know when you're up close and you know right on the ropes and you're watching these pros mm -hmm. They're, they're, I mean, even to, to about like the timing of uh, in between shots, right? I mean, it's everything so routine. Right. And, if, and if, you if you took out the entire background and everything around them and you watched them just go up to go hit their shot and you just like everything else was just blanked out, you would not be able to tell which, like what hole they're on or, or what yeah. shot they're about to hit. Yep. It's all the same. Everything is the same. And we've read a couple books recently that talk about, you know, obviously the mental game. And I felt like this, the, the main thing that I, that, I, that was a, a similar theme in both was the routine, the pre-shot routine and even the post-shot routine. Yep. 
Um, so kind of hearing how, you know, Bubba, Nelly, Phil, how they talked about their focus on the game and, and trying to be stronger mentally. Um, and it, it, it's very interesting to hear their, their thoughts on it. Um, you know, not necessarily Phil, but Bubba and Nelly, the way that they were talking about it was like, it's just golf. It's just golf, right? You know, don't beat yourself up over yeah. it, this and that. Um, and that just made me think about how Tiger was notoriously, you know, this mental giant, right? And that wasn't his mentality. His mentality was much more intense. Yeah, I felt. yeah. It wasn't like, oh, it's just golf. It's like I'm gonna fucking crush you. Yep. Um, or, I mean, that's just in his personality, I, th right. I think. But you know, like, 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 like Phil, I, I found the most fascinating because he was just saying that he couldn't be fo he couldn't keep his focus for. Uh, you know, around, let alone a tournament. Yeah, I mean, that. he was everywhere before he won the PGA. Yep. So it, that was just, and it's crazy to hear a pro saying that because you'd think that a pro golfer like Phil Mickelson is very focused when he's, you know, playing in, inside the ropes. Um, mm -hmm. And so to hear him say that he struggles to, because it's hard, it's very hard to keep your focus through every shot and stay in your routine. Um, we're obviously not pros, but... It, it's it's hard. It's again very very hard. Um, and, and, being committed to every shot and stuff is is a challenge. And, and it's crazy too because you know before Phil said that he was on the match against Tiger and and uh, he's been on two of them. He's been all the yeah, on all yeah. the matches, right? Yeah. So the three that he was on before the most recent one that was earlier this week. Um, I mean, you could tell, like, the way that he talks about every shot, it sure seems like he's focused on yep. every shot. Like, he's he's talking, I mean, god damn. The way that he talks about going into a shot is is incredible. Uh, the fact that he puts that much, you know, detail on everything, he's trying to do all these different things before every single shot, it's wild. Um, and so for him to say something that was, was really surprising. Um, and to go out there and obviously win a major at the age of 50. Um, Very impressive. So this book, uh, obviously, okay, by Dr. Joseph Parent. Um, what would, how would you summarize the book? Uh, so I thought it was awesome. It's incredibly helpful. I'll, I'll probably go back through and listen through it again. Right. It's, I mean, it, it goes, it, it gives you everything from kind of practice tips to, you know, how to practice, kind of putting, practicing, mm -hmm. all that stuff to just, you know, what you're doing in between shots um and and kind of just it's it's pretty all-inclusive there's a so that's you know why i'm going to go back through um because i think there's a lot of stuff that you can miss i have a shitload of notes from it but like i said i i think i even missed or you know didn't write down some stuff that's just as important mm -hmm. so there's tons of value for the amateur golfer that wants to get better look if you're just trying to go out and crush beers and play with the boys on the weekend, mm -hmm. you don't care what your scores are, then I probably wouldn't really recommend you to read this. Because, right. um, you know, it's, but if you de if you want to, you know, if you're taking lessons, I, I think this is very valuable, just as valuable, if right. not more valuable um, than, than that. Because it, it, it's, it is, it's truly, you know, I, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, right? And so I know the mind-body connection from mm -hmm. a science standpoint of, you know, what your nervous system is doing, how that tells your muscles to operate. 
but it's 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 totally true. I mean, I I think of the mental aspect and like the weight room and kind of how I used to run groups and, and teams when I was leading teams, mm-hmm. and it's a huge portion. You're breathing, um, establishing again a, a mind body connection as fucking corny as that sounds. Right. It's 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 totally real. I think that that's interesting you say that because you you said how there's a, a a focus on how to practice, right? So if you're even if you're trying to get better and you're getting lessons. That's one thing is kind of as, you know, over the past 34 weeks that we've been doing this podcast, um, how, you know, we've been, we've been taking lessons, we've been, you know, working on certain things. And then to kind of get to bring this, this piece of getting better at golf into the equation, I really feel it kind of puts it all together because it, the, 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 uh, I guess, tips on how to practice effectively um, and the frames of mind that you're supposed to have while you're um, uh, while you're while you're practicing I, and and trying to get better, I think that's really valuable for effective practice to where you're not out there just wasting time. Yeah, and I feel like I've I've spent so much wasted time out on the driving range or the putting green or one hundred percent, one hundred percent practicing the wrong things. I, I mean, dude, I've gone out to the driving range before and hit sixty three irons. What am I doing hitting sixty three irons out there? Uh, and this book talks about things that you should work on. If you really want to lower your scores, you got to get better at you know 130 yards and in. Yeah. Uh, you got to get better at putting. Your short game has to be better. Um, and it talks about like it gives you tips on you know one of the things that I liked about it was it gives you tips on on a suggested pre-shot routine, but it's not going to be the same. It doesn't yeah. put you into you know this this bucket that you can't get out of. Hundred percent. No, there's tons of great little nuggets in in the book. Um. So, I mean, what, what, what would be some of those for you? Like, what were your key takeaways? So, and I, I feel like I kind of lost my way here with this um, in the last week and hence some very poor golf um, and what's kind of been going on with me. Is it makes it tougher to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the takeaways for me, the biggest takeaway is on course uh, is not a time to be trying stuff and to be, you need to just be, you need to, you got to change your on course as clarity, composure, and commitment. Right. Um, you need to have a clear head of how you're going to approach the shot. You need to be composed with how you react to the shot. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be 100% committed to the shot. And if you're not, you should not hit that shot. Right. So it takes discipline to step away. Right. Um, you know, there's tons of little nuggets I got in here. You give up, give up control to gain control. You produce what you fear. All these kind of scenarios. Right. For me, the biggest thing that like this that this has taught me in kind of more of a general sense is like I used to be like a swing thought guy, and this is really kind of telling you to not have any swing thoughts. Right. And uh, I think that's super valuable to be committed and not have any swing thoughts and just let your body take over. Right. Um, and so. That's that's the the key and 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 setting up a routine a, a pre shot routine and a practice routine. Mm-hmm. I changed my practice big time with this, and I, again, I kind of fallen out of that. Like today, I've I've, I've tried to allow myself. I, I if I don't have time to really commit to my practice, to not rush it, and so I'm not going there and trying to hit balls in a given amount of time, right? Right. So I've I, when and when when this has worked very well for me, I've left balls. I bought in a small bucket of 60 balls and hit them for almost like an hour and a half. And I've ended up leaving 10 or 20 balls. Right. Mm-hmm. So I only hit 40 shots, but I went through a routine, went through the breathing, right. Did everything. And those were very good. You know, 
it's just like weightlifting, quality over quantity, right? I can mm-hmm. do shitty squats and and see some gains, but eventually, you know, my back or my knees or something's going to give out because right. of the quality of what I'm doing versus I'm far better suited to just do, you know, three sets of three fucking killer squats mm-hmm. and my body is going to reap the benefits of that. So, um, yeah, the routine, commitment, and just w- where you are mentally mm-hmm. – um, those are probably the two biggest takeaways I, I got from it. Yeah, the uh, you kind of touched on one removing removing the anyways. Yes. Uh, so for our listeners, the an anyways shot is essentially, and we're all guilty of this, and I've had this happen to me a lot personally. It's say that it's cart path only, and you take uh, a couple clubs to your ball across the fairway, and you realize you know I don't have a club for this shot. I'm gonna hit it anyways. Or you hit, um, you have a blind shot, and you don't take the time to walk. Go up look to, up at the green, exactly, and get yourself a target line, and you hit it anyways. Those are the uh, in between clubs. In between not clubs. committed to a distance, right? Hit it anyways. You, yeah, exactly. You got to commit to your shot, like Ryan just said here, um, and I, I think that's really helped me at least, you know, deal with my favorite part of the shot routine, and that's acceptance. Because if I, you know. You can you can go up there and and you'll you'll hit the ball, but you can also hit your shot. And the, the difference is, you go up there and yeah, you can go up there and hit the ball. And if you're not fully committed to it, you, you know you moved it, you advanced it. It's probably not where you wanted it. Um, the same could be true if you hit the shot that you're intending, or you go up there and you do everything that you were focused on on doing. You pick your target line. You you have the right club and you're committed to the shot. Sometimes it's the game of golf. It's not going to go, yeah. it's not going to be three feet from the pin yep. every single time. So it helps with acceptance. And that's one of the part, that's that's what I've added to my game in the past probably two months is that that small detail is, okay, I've hit my shot, you know, crying about it, being upset about it, yep. being pissed off. That's going to do absolutely nothing but ruin my next plenty shot. more shots to have plenty more i mean especially if it's early in the round i mean you know you and i typically shoot in the 80s so there's probably 50 more shots to go hold on there tiger hold on <laughs> <laughs> um so uh that that was one thing that i really took away the other was um that uh he talks in he really uh the author dr joseph parent really brings in a lot of Zen Buddhist teaching. Yeah, the and, breathing. And the breathing, um, talking, he talks about, uh, you know, moving slow, like slowing things down. Which, slow motion walk slow up. Slow motion yep. walk up. Like if you watch Tiger, and I noticed this at the 2012 US Open that they had at uh, uh, Olympic Club. When he went to go tee off on Sunday, he walked across, like they had like this bridge thing. And when he got up there to, to walk across it, he was like in slow motion. And I was like, "What? The, I was like, dude, he's just like strutting for like everybody else here." But after hearing uh, the reason for that, it makes perfect sense. You and I have played in a couple tournaments now, and the first thing that I did was speed everything up because you're feeling the pressure, you're feeling yep. you're you're a little bit nervous and all that. Um, and uh, like that typical tie to like the Buddhist teaching was, I thought it was really cool. Another, well, another thing was uh, the. Um, the talk on beginner's mind, always having a beginner's mind. So like you're brand new to everything, yeah, you're, being always, open. you're learning. Um, and he touched on on Ben Hogan, always had a beginner's mind, was always out there want ex- like expecting to learn, not pretending to know everything, uh, taking input as as he saw and and doing what he wanted with it. Um, 
I thought that was just very, very uh, insightful. Yeah. Uh, and the slowdown to that point, Phil Mickelson played very, moved very slowly on the final round of the PGA, uh, especially rewatching that. Mm-hmm. Nelly Corda purposely waited on the tee box on uh, Sunday of the KMPG that way because she was, you know, way, she's way longer than Lizette Salas, who already plays slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. The plan that's their caddy worked the strategy out on Saturday that they're going to wait on the tee box till well after Lizette's in the fairway. That way it doesn't screw up her routine mm-hmm. rushing to the ball and then she's sitting over the ball waiting because she plays fast, mm-hmm. but so slowing her game down, right? right. On the, on a, you know, en route to her first major championship. So recent examples of that happening at the pro level. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the more I, go through this book and my notes on this on this book the more i just see in the in the pro game um and it it makes it makes uh the routines that we see and the mannerisms that we see on course uh it makes them i guess uh i understand them more why are they doing that um like for example there's no a lot of people don't have temper tantrums out there they'll go out there in a big moment hit a in a hit a, a shitty shot or you know, potentially lose the tournament and they're up there, you know, and they're very reserved in their expression. Um, I've always wondered how they've kept their composure like that, but it's because they've already been doing this for their entire career or at least their entire pro career or or competitive career. Um, So if you had to pick, let's say, three things that you have uh, implemented from this book into your game, um, what would they be? If you have three. So it's a couple like of the mantras. I mean, starting a routine mm-hmm. of breathing, seeing my shot, slowly stepping up. Um, it also helps me in slow play where I will just I'll just count my breaths when I'm on the tee box and not really pay attention to what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of little mini meditations. Super helpful. Keeping my composure and not being mad at the shots. Even like last week when I was shanking balls in a fucking tournament, right? Mm-hmm. I just sat there and owned it um, and moved forward. And so, I mean, it's super helpful. Obviously, last week I, I struggled greatly and I kind of fell out of my way of this. This is a great podcast for me to look through some of this and some of my notes mm-hmm. and see even today I wasn't doing this practicing. So it's good for me to get back. Um, but basically just learning to trust trust over doubting myself and not beat myself up for so many uh, uh, bad shots mm-hmm. you're gonna ha- i'm gonna have bad shots i'm a 14 fucking handicap so there's i'm gonna have bad shots mm-hmm. how do i respond to my bad shots um and then that yeah that's 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 pretty much it uh the, i i love like the putting warm-up stuff i've been doing that i'm not yeah. gonna go into the details of the putting warm-up but they have a great like putting practice and warm-up and i've been rolling putts so much fucking better ever since i've done this and coincidentally i don't think it's coincidental rather mm-hmm. when i don't if i like rush to get to a, a tee time and i don't get any chance on the green beforehand i i'm not putting that as nearly as well right. so um those are probably the biggest takeaways. Not beating myself up so much, even though I am kind of beating myself up right now um, amidst this was. So I'll, I will say this: when you it, this is great having a little mental game, but you shank a couple wedges and it makes this very tough to not have any swing thoughts. It puts it to um, the test. It definitely does. But 
I I would have thrown a club or you know tried bro- broken a wedge or something last week. I I definitely beat myself up a little bit. Not mm-hmm. and I don't think I beat myself up as I was just more disappointed in myself. Right. Um. But I was also there was there was takeaways. There was positives from that round from both rounds that I played. Mm-hmm. Um. And and uh, you know I I think overall I kept my cool pretty pretty well throughout it. Yeah. One thing I've learned is definitely it's it's very. It's very easy to put in a routine, or it's it's uh, difficult to put in a routine, um, but it's very easy to get out of it. Yes. The second that you hit a couple bad shots when you're in your routine, it's like I I forget all about. You it. want to get to the next shot. Yeah. Try to yeah yeah yeah. And so um, the, the the one thing that I started implementing from this was the uh, the picking the target line, and usually it's like a, a tree or something yeah. tall in the distance, um, not necessarily the flag stick. I've been implementing that and looking at that as the last thing before I hit my shot. I usually take a, a practice swing. Um, I used to take a lot of practice swings, but now it's just one and let's go. Um, pick my line, take my practice swing, look at the, look at the line one more time, and then I go. Um, and I feel like that's really helped me out a lot in terms of, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've taken three practice swings before my shot and wasted the good swing in one of those yeah. three swings. So. Um, just taking that out of the equation has has really helped me and uh, having a proper putting routine, lining up everything, uh, getting a feel for it, and again picking my target as the last thing I see before I you know let it roll. Um, but yeah, I think the challenge for me is going to be to stick to stick with those routines to because even when I go to the range now, I'll catch myself hitting. I'll hit like five balls in a row where I don't even. Well, that's I what I said. To. Where I wasn't even. I'm trying to make sure I don't have any other time constraints, which is tough. Like today, you know, right. I was up against. It. I only had time to get there for an hour, and but mm-hmm. I totally rushed out of it. Um, and looking back in hindsight, I, I screwed that one up. Um, yeah. Overall, I think this book teaches you how to settle your mind and really focus on the shot at hand. I mean, essentially it gives a bunch of different ways to do that. Um, it gives a bunch of examples from pros, uh, from the author's, uh, uh, teacher and from, you know, clients that this person's had. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's, you hear it, the cliche in, in every sport, right? You're you, one play at a time, stay in the mm-hmm. moment, all that. Right. But it's, it's hard to do. Only your great ones can really do it well, um, mm-hmm. consistently. And that's that, you know, it's, 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 it sounds kind of foo-foo-ish and stuff, but it's the real deal. And it is, it's very challenging. Again, it's like, yeah. you, I would, and I love, I love the Zen aspect, right? I'm a meditation guy and mm-hmm. a breathing guy anyways. So that, that part I really enjoyed, but it's tough. It's tough to stick to. Yeah. And last thing I want to say on this was, is, uh, you know, the, the focus on the routine helps with uh, putts under pressure or shots under pressure because developing the routine, he goes over this multiple times in this book. Um, the reason that the, the best in the world are able to perform under pressure is because they stick to that routine. So it's easier to block everything else. It's just out. like any other shot. It's right. not like anything. It's, it's, there's no pressure on it, essentially. Exactly. Good stuff, my man. Uh, I, re- I really recommend that book's available everywhere. It's even for free if you have an Audible subscription uh, on on Amazon. So um, if you have a chance to check that out, I, I really recommend it. I'm sure Ryan does as well. Yep. Couldn't recommend it enough. Um, all right. Well, from that topic, we'll get into something a little bit more um, 
a little bit more fun, we'll say. Uh, we've we've been able to play a lot of golf in the past few years here and overall in our lives. And um, I thought it would be fun to discuss some of our, our favorite golf memories. Um, you know, there's no limitation on this. I, I guess like a top five we could do. Cool. Um, not necessarily in, in rank and stack order. But um, I've always just been curious, you know, whenever I'm, whenever I'm talking to somebody that I've just met or um, some, some friends that I don't get to play golf with that much, I like to catch up and, and hear about, you know, their, their best stories and their best memories from, from playing golf. So what do you got? All right. So um, we got a couple overlaps on here, so I'll try to I'll, I'll avoid those. So I got on first on my list is the, the Runkle out of Presidio. So a little tournament amongst old college uh, fraternity brothers at uh, Presidio. You and I teamed together. We played really well. We won it. Um, But it was just fun to be out there with all our boys. Yeah. um, To play, you know, get get some competition going to win. Um, And then also I played really well out at Presidio. And and that's a tough course for me for the most part. So, Dude, that was great. That was one of the best... uh rounds that we've played together yeah and then hell really, of fun really well. saturday night afterwards going out with the fellas so um that's up there for me uh, i see you've got on here our recent round at pasa tiempo um for you making three birdies in a row shooting very well on that front nine for myself this was kind of the start of zen golf being implemented into my my game um after hitting four bunkers the first few holes mm-hmm. and try, really struggling I struggled through the whole nine, front nine, um, but I did not beat myself up, and I ended up shooting very well on the back nine, and I dropped that big-ass bomb on 18 for a birdie. Right, yeah, we were, we were out there playing with the, the random golf club boys out of San Francisco, showed us a great time out there. Yeah, and, yeah. And Good. so we came we come up on we come up on the 18th, and uh, I, I played, like, like Mooney said, I played really well on the front nine, not so great on the back nine, um, and going into 18... Pasa Tiempo is very, as most people know, um, it has a, a par three to finish, and and Ryan hit hit a, a ball about I don't know how far how far do you think that putt was thirty five. I'd say or, yeah, thirty five, maybe 40, 40 feet somewhere around there. And this green is nasty. It it slopes from back to front crazily. It has several uh, like shelves and nooks and crannies on it, and in front of a full gallery of about I would say. Uh, 12 people out there. Mooney drains this awesome putt that goes. I mean, honestly, just being, oh, I mean, being completely real, if it didn't hit it didn't the center, go in, it was probably off the green. It was gonna go off the green. <laughs> um, but uh, people were placing bets on him uh, to whether or not it was gonna be a two or a three putt from where he was, and he just put it right into the cup. I knew when I hit it, it had a chance. Um, that was that was but, amazing. But yeah, if it didn't go in, it's definitely trouble. Uh, when it goes from a two to a potential five or six really quickly. Yeah. Um, all right, what else do I got on here? Golf memories. Uh, the COVID ace. I, I always, that one had to have been on. Always there. remember, um, you know, we've I've shared that story. It's not a crazy par three, but little little shorty out at Shark Park. But the guys I was with, um, in particular, the one gentleman that was adamant that this thing did hit the uh, the pool noodle and said that we he, he just he, got LASIK from Doctor Scott Hyver, Forty Niners <laughs> LASIK surgeon. That I'll never forget that. That was so fucking that's, funny. That's um, V as in vision. 
Yeah, Dr. Scott HYV Heiberg. as envisioned. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. Um, and then, oh, okay. So I'll I'll say this, and then I'll let you touch on it because we both have this. Um, actually, I'll go two things. Pebble playing Pebble, right? Um, I wish I would have played better there, but who cares? Mm-hmm. It's Pebble. Um, I hope to play there again and play better. Yeah. But that's obviously that's a, a, a given on that list. Yep. And then on top of that, probably even a better time than playing Pebble was uh, the boys the boys trip out to the first time playing Spanish Bay, where we went Spanish Bay and Poppy, me, yeah. you, Mikey, and Mo. Yep. Um, and then did a number at the uh, Spanish Bay Clubhouse. Yes, uh, that was that was a great time. That, that I think that was my first time playing like a like a big boy course. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why that one that one's up here on my list as well. Uh, you know, obviously there's some family sentimentality about wanting to play Spanish Bay. Um, there is, uh, uh, first of all, we had a great group with me, you, Mo and Mikey and to go out there and, and put our skills to the test on, on two very difficult golf courses. I thought were really, was really, really fun. I had never played on courses like that before. I think I'd played Harding was the nicest course I'd ever played up until that point, yeah. which is a great course, but, uh, when you're out there in the Monterey Peninsula and you're playing at, at in my opinion, golf Mecca, um, there's quite nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, Spanish, that's, that's kind of my favorite course, obviously pebble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I really love that track. I love the setup of it. I just love, I, I love it out there. Yeah. So, and it was a great, we got, we were playing in January and it was a fucking beautiful California day. Yeah. We, we had an 8 AM tea time, uh, hitting into the fog, super cold out there, and every single one of us uh, smashed it down the middle of the fairway. I thought that was really, really cool. Now, we didn't finish all like that, but... Um, no, but that fog cleared real early in the round, got a and nice it day was a, uh, a hell of a day. Hell of a day to have a day. Indeed. Um, yeah, and so I can't believe I forgot the Runkle, because that was that was so awesome uh, to, win, to win, you know, a, we, had, we had three... Well, we have we have three groups out there. Um, yeah, we had a good amount. Yeah, we had a, a, a big turnout for that, and uh, you know that, that was with handicaps and everything. And you really took us home there at the end. It was awesome. Um, let's see which one I want to go go to next. We already touched on Pasa Tiempo, um, just because we both had like our highlights there. I really like that. Um, I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Um, Another time that we played Poppy, followed by when we played Poppy uh, Poppy Hills, and then when we played at Poppy Ridge, um, we went out to Poppy Hills um, a second time, and we played with so last summer, yeah. yeah, last summer with uh, with Jack Straub and and Kyle Kenyon, and you and I were paired up once again, um, and when we played Poppy Hills, they absolutely destroyed us. They they kicked our ass up and down. It wasn't even close. We lost by dozens. Also of, kicked our ass the day before at Pacific Grove. They did. They they just kicked our ass all weekend. Um, but then uh, we played the same teams out in Livermore at, at Poppy Ridge, and we we got our vengeance and kicked their ass out at, at Poppy Ridge. Yes, I, I just thought is, that this was is a awesome. good one. This is a good one. It was good. It, it, we're out there in the old goalpost mover. The old goalpost mover, <laughs> Jack. I know you're gonna hear this, but it was what made it so great was uh, uh, we, you know, we we had one. There was a couple holes left. It was it was all over, and there's three nine holes. Um, three nine hole courses out there and we were going to try to play one more nine and 
uh, Jackie boy thought that it was okay to be like, oh no, the match isn't over. We're gonna play another another nine, and then we're, that that's gonna you know essentially buy us some time <laughs> to hopefully come back. And I was like, nah, man, this this was over. We were playing. We were playing. Our strategy was eighteen holes. You can't just throw, <laughs> you can't throw in an extra nine. Um, and so then we end up playing an extra nine and won that too. So it didn't even matter. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a. Uh, that was just really cool to, to come back against two guys who are really good, especially Jack, who's, you know, not saying Kyle is not great, but, uh, you know, Jack's a really good golfer. Well, Kyle struggled through the the, the, the initial 18, but he fucking turned it around there on yeah, that last nine. So that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, that, that was a great time. Very good time. I, I one, of the, one of my favorite memories of that was uh, a par five where uh, I think Jack hit into three different bunkers on that. On uh, <laughs> and I hate I hate talking shit, <laughs> but it was just so funny because every time I looked over, he's just I just see the, the club coming out and the ball. <laughs> anyway, so that was a really good memory just because it was it was fun and Jack's a good sport and so is Kyle. Um, so some so we got to we got to do our we got to return some shit talking um, from the pounding at Poppy. Um, I'd have to say uh, I have two more here, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pick one, um, because that we already uh, complete because I forgot about our Runkle win. I'm gonna scratch the Silverado tournament, which was also awesome. Um, I, I mean, should have put this on my list um, as well. I was gonna say the the mini bachelor party that we that we had last year at uh, and got to play Pacific <laughs> Grove, 36 holes in one day. I just thought that was really fun. We had a great group of guys. Well, dude, the whole weekend. I mean, yeah. you forget that we all, we nearly flipped a golf cart the day before yeah. that. 36-hole <laughs> extravaganza. We nearly flipped a cart at Laguna Seca, and then we followed 36 up with uh, Bayonet yeah. as well on Saturday. Yep. So, yeah, that was a great group of guys. That round at Pacific Grove... The, the the rounds at Pacific Grove was some of the most fun I've ever had. Switching yeah. groups, uh, we obviously had some some folks that took naps there on that second round, but <laughs> it was it was great. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, we had all all different types of skill levels, but for the most part, everybody has played had played a lot, and they like to they really love to play. Uh, especially that course, we got a really good day once again. Um, Shout out Eric Garcia for uh, bringing the reggae horn and riding with me yes. at Bayonet. I had <laughs> yeah. a fucking blast with him just not even playing. He was just riding with me. That was so much fun. That uh, was, dude. <laughs> that, guy, that, guy is, uh, that guy is a G for doing that. Um, so, yeah. I mean, dude, that weekend obviously was great. Uh, lot, lots of other things that went on in terms of, you know, restaurants we went to, things we did that, was, that really just made that pretty epic. Um, we obviously got the the bigger bachelor party for myself coming in uh, in late August here. Coronado Brewing Company, if you're listening, we are accepting free weekend vibes cases or whatever you want to send us for when we're down there. We'll come pick them up when we get in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll, overall, I mean, I'll never forget that. Um, just really fortunate to have some of these listed here terms of uh, some great golf times and what what I really do enjoy about the game is you know it's fun to be on course but like when you get to plan a trip away with your friends and yeah and your family and you get to go do things like play Pebble Beach with your dad and things like that you know it, it's it's so much more yeah than just going out there and playing 100 so. percent um awesome so 
this is kind of a really rough transition going from something that fun to something that kind of nerdy that uh, came across the news a couple weeks ago, and it was the, the players agreeing to ban uh, the green reading books. And Rory McIlroy had a, had a comment on it saying, you know, it, 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 it just takes away a skill that takes time and practice to be mastered. As somebody who's a terrible, terrible green reader, I could totally understand why somebody who's worked their ass off for years, decades, however long, to learn how to read long, greens, yeah, to learn how to read greens, how that would be, uh, you know, kind of cheating—not necessarily cheating, but like, yeah, taking away the integrity of the game. I mean, if you're going out there knowing how everything is going to break ahead of time, that's, that's I feel like that's a little bit of uh, you're a pro. Why can't you read the green? Yeah, you know what I mean, well, I mean, how about this? Here's why. I, this just kind of like came to me as you were segueing us. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not out there with a green reading book when mm-hmm. we go play. So like, and we're not pros, right? So you know, what, like like that's a great. These guys don't need a green reading book. So uh, <laughs> that's a great point. And and I and I had this and I have this noted here is before the PJ Championship got delayed at Harding Park, they were selling the green reading books to Harding. I have it in my I have it in the closet over here. And I've played Harding with the green reading book. Amateurs should have the green reading books. These other guys shouldn't, in my opinion, <laughs> because that's, it was so much easier. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't draining birdie putts. You yeah. know, here, here and there, but like I was two putting for the most part. I mean, I putt terribly at Harding yeah. for the most part. I, I can't read those greens at all. It just uh, I, and so yeah. I mean. Uh, I never really thought of it, like legitimately never really thought of it like that until you were doing the segue there. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, this is... It's so hard to read greens. I mean, even out here at Presidio, I have... We go on that... I've been on that practice screen for, honestly, like if we're adding up the hours for weeks, okay? And I still can't read that practice screen. I have no idea why or how it breaks some of the way that it does. Yeah. Only practicing and playing on it is is how I've gotten better at, at putting on the on the practice yeah. screen, and and then obviously the greens on the course as well. Very similar to that. <laughs> Very similar. I have like sometimes. I mean, I'm out there and I'm I'm yards. I've missed by yards in terms of what the way that it breaks. Yeah. So I mean, I'm all for this. I don't I don't think they need it. I I think like to Rory's point, it is a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's part of what your caddy should be doing in practice rounds, anyways, is taking right. notes and all this stuff. So yeah, I, I would. I'm game for this. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I I like to see again. I think it va- brings more value to your caddy. Um, yep. And and likewise, if you if you're a great green reader, that that's such an advantage. I, yeah, I totally agree. The best and the best putters on on tour, you know, aren't necessarily guys that. Um, uh, don't rely on on these green reading books. I, I honestly, I wonder how many of the guys that have the best stats are guys that you know are just expert green green book readers yeah. versus out you know out there actually feeling and and going going for that yeah. route. And it may, because like in when you see their pre putt routines too, they're taking time. Like this is what baffles me more about Bryson is the fact that. He has a green reading book and still takes forever. These guys, and a lot of the guys on tour still do. They have these green reading books and they're still taking forever, taking a look at it and blah, blah, Because they're going through that and then they're, you know, doing their feel too. Yeah. So it's just another kind of process that they have to go through, which... Do you think that maybe 
certain tournaments should allow them and like majors don't allow them. Well, that was the thing with the uh, with Augusta, right? They don't allow them there. Right. So, uh, no, I think it should be uniform. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, they're playing for a lot of money in, you know, the rocket mortgage from last week. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, and, uh, you know, as a, as if you're, if you're grinding and you're a great green reader, right. You can get your card mm-hmm. by putting like that versus, you know, someone else is grinding and just relies on the book. There's a lot of companies out there that rely on these green reading books too. There's, you know, the the guys who make like the the uh, scorecard holders mm-hmm. for the green reading books. So so big sc- scorecard holder is going to be uh, <laughs> hit hard, hit hard, hit hard in the pocketbook. And there's also like that company Golf Logics too. That um, you know, if your course is popular enough, they have the green reading books that you can purchase online. I've seen them for. Uh, Harding, I've seen them for Tory Pines and stuff like Interesting. that. Interesting, forty bucks. Um, you can buy them online. They're going to be hit because you, if you're if you're a guy out there playing and you have a green reading book and they don't allow them on tour, you know, yeah, it's just kind of hey, you're going to be you know frowned upon. You're going to be considered a cheater. I mean, I I you know yeah, I'm, you're not going to find me using one. I think I'm more of a, a feel guy than I am a kind of. Uh, mathematics and, right. and over-processing my shots. Well, we, you know, also, I, we also have I don't regular even, jobs, so yeah, we're, we're, yeah. we're all feel guys. But, right? I mean, but I mean, I don't even like to know if I'm like green side and mm-hmm. stuff, right, or, you know, within kind of 30 yards. I'm not – I don't like to like shoot the flag and right. go look at what – like I, I just kind of want to judge off of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I am I'm got a good idea of it and where I want to land it and, yeah. and, and not – because I can look at this where the flag stick is, but – it's not where I want to land the ball. Yeah, I think anything uh, inside of a half swing with any club mm-hmm. is all is all feel. Like you don't even need to know the, the distance, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, well, we have we have a recent ra- or a, a round coming up here at Bodega Bay, and should we get the green reading book for there before we go? Um, so I've played there once. It was it yeah, was what should I expect there? Is awesome. It's Coastal Lynx Golf will probably catch a little wind. Um, I was there. We were staying in Bodega Bay. We were there on a boys' weekend, nice. so juices were flowing. Nice. Um, the first four holes were in just a straight up downpour, <laughs> straight up rain and sideways. We none of us had rains on. Oh um, my God. We were close to. Did you play then stay or did you stay then play? We were close to quitting oh, um, because it was just raining so fucking much, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally it was like the fourth hole, I think, I, I we just pulled up under a tree because we realized there was no one behind us. Just pull up under a tree kind of – and we could see on the forecast like that once this little rain cell came through, it was actually going to be a nice day, mm. which was exactly what happened. Uh, it was fucking beautiful after nice. that. So, um, you know, elevation um, – there's there's definitely some elevation changes. It, it's not there's not too many ha- there's a lot of bunkers. There's not too many hazards per se, but obviously the ocean. You know, there's some holes right on the ocean. Incredible views, dude. We're in for a treat. I I really enjoyed the course. Um, I I think I ended up playing okay. I don't know. This was years ago. I, I'm a much more skilled golfer than I than I was then. Um, yeah, because I was I was trying to look it up online and. Uh... Yeah, everything you just said is is pretty much what I saw. Um, 
I mean, like landing areas or looking at lots of lots of like uneven lies or looking at flat fairways. It's not it's not I don't think it's as bad as 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 like I mean, there's there's some uneven lies and stuff. Mm. There's definitely some spots that you want to avoid, but there's a couple, you know, kind of elevation changes. But I don't it's not like it's not like Presidio. Okay. Um, where you can think you hit a ball right in the middle of the fairway and you, you walk up to it and the ball's three feet over your, your you know, right right at your belt buckle. Yeah, the cambered fairways at, at Presidio. My God. Um, awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. We will have a course review next week. We're also going to be previewing the Open uh, next week at Royal St. George. Uh, we're stoked about that. So we'll be here. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. I know this one's a little bit later in the week. So we'll have a, a bang bang. We'll have a Friday and a Tuesday. So listen to this one quick because we'll have another one. Or That's we'll right. Have, Damn straight. You'll have two next week to listen to. So I'm um, looking forward to it, brother. I can't wait. Can't wait. That does it for this episode of the Sandy Pars Podcast. We want to thank you all for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast content. Join us next week for another major week, previewing the Open at Royal St. George, followed by a course review of Bodega Bay. Lastly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sandy Pars Golf and visit our website, sandypars.com for a full library of podcasts and additional golf content like course reviews, reading guides, and more. Special thanks to our producer Ryan Teeson, and until next time, hit him straight.